What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. On today's episode, we'll be going over some odds and ends Bulls news. Um, what what Patrick Williams is doing, who he's been working out, uh, Zach Levine as well, working on his mid post game and what that could do to expand his game. And then lastly, the Bulls do hire a player development coach. I know it's been a lot made about the Chicago Bulls not having a shooting coach, so we'll talk about that. And as well as what's going on with Kevin Durant and how the Nets ownership fought against the player empowerment movement and won. We'll get into all that and more right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. All right, Bulls fans, thank you for joining me. You could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. We're going to jump right into it today. Uh, first up, we're going to be talking about uh, Patrick Williams. He's apparently been working with uh, NBA skills trainer Drew Hanlon, who's worked with players like Zach Levine, Joel Embiid, Bradley Bill, Jason Tatum, and RJ Barrett. Now, the funny thing about this, anytime news like this comes out, you always only hear about like players that had success, right? You don't hear about the players that he probably worked with that still didn't go on to have like huge NBA careers. But nonetheless, we know Patrick Williams has been working on his game all summer. We've been seeing it playing in Drew League. We've been seeing the the, the tightness of the handle increase um, everything. Uh, hopefully that that shot release increases as well. We all know that this coming into the third year, especially after, you know, him missing most his uh, second year, everybody, all eyes are going to be on Patrick Williams and what type of development he did do over the course of the summer that are going to hopefully help the Chicago Bulls win more games uh, when it comes to next season. So, yeah, it's good to hear that he's working with the, with the skills trainers. It, it, all that's good. But we kind of already expected that, right? We didn't expect Patrick Williams to just be sitting around. We've kind of already seen it. Um, it's good to know what other players this skills trainer has worked with, some familiarity with Zach Levine there, who is a teammate of, of Patrick Williams and on this Bulls team. So, you know, all that's good. I think at, at what, whatever we see, like what, throughout all of it, we just need to see increased aggression, confidence from Patrick Williams, him taking advantage of the opportunities he does get stopped passing up so many more. And we'll see what the coaching staff does to get him more if they do play more through him, things like that. But at the end of the day, whatever Patrick Williams has been doing this summer, it needs to it needs to translate to the floor for a lot of Chicago Bulls fans. Like at, at the end of the day, yes, we, we are going to be waiting on the potential of Patrick Williams and to see what that truly turns into for, for a while. It's not just going to come to fruition all of a sudden magically. It's not. That's just not. I know some fans would like to see that, but realistically, it's just not going to happen. So, um, you know, he's not going to make the leap into all of a sudden probably being an 18 point per game score, but we do need to see him in his opportunities. And I've said it before, if if the, the shots that Patrick Williams has passed up that come in the flow in the offense, if he takes those and hit those at a similar clip to what he's been hitting, you're looking at a double digit score right there alone. We need to continue to see that growth from Patrick Williams. You know, I know a lot of people are putting on him, oh, this third year, we need to see some Bulls fans even saying, oh, well, if he doesn't show it, he needs to be on the trade block. Patrick Williams is 21 years old, right? Or about to be. I don't even know if he's officially 21 years old yet. But with that being said, listen, we need to see it. We know he's been working on this game. We've seen flashes and glimpses of it. We saw it a little bit in the playoffs. We definitely saw it in the Bulls' last regular season game. But we need to see it come in and translate, not only just translate, but translate during wins, right? We need to see Patrick Williams have big games during wins, during key games, during key matchups, things like that that we need to see from Patrick Williams heading into the season. So, yes, while it is great that he's been working with an NBA skills trainer that's worked with other stars in this league, we need to see it translate to wins and on the court for Patrick Williams in the next season. Now, with that being said, we also got a video released yesterday of Zach Levine working on his mid-post game. Now, you won't be able to hear it during this video that I'm going to be playing over this, but the trainer's even saying, hey, this is a move that I've only really seen Kobe 
and, and Jordan do this way in putting the ball out before they go into this post move to make this shot. And Zach Levine does do it. He makes a shot. It's all good and dandy there. But the thing there is, what will a, a solid mid-range game do for Zach Levine? We already know Zach has been a three-level scorer. He can do it, do it at all. But as players age, they do go to the they do go to the post a little bit more. And having a mid-post game with the way that Zach Levine is able to shoot the three could really transform and almost make him unguardable in several ways. But, you know, a lot of the, the things that we want to see from Zach Levine in next season aren't necessarily offensively. Now, he this was the first season that his efficiency did not increase since he's been a Chicago Bull, but we know that thumb injury, knee injury, that's that played a part in that. So we want to keep seeing that efficiency from Zach Levine that we've seen over the course of his career. But really, we need to see Zach Levine lock in defensively. That's that's what I kind of want to see. And this is not to poo-poo on his uh his work on the mid on, on the mid post. Like it's great. Like Zach Levine's offensive game is great. He's been he's flirted with being that 50-40-90 player several times over the course of his career and I do think he gets there over the course of the season, but we need to see an increase even in my in my player predictions for the 22-23 season. I more focus on Zach Levine getting that defensive rating a little bit lower, which lower is better in defensive rating for those who don't know, and, and improving that side of the ball. When Zach Levine has locked, there's been possessions, there's been stretches where we've seen Zach Levine absolutely lock in defensively, and he can be an effective defensive player, but we need to see that over the course of a season. That's kind of where I want to see Zach Levine offensively. There's almost nothing he could do offensively that, that wows me in, in a way because I know Zach Levine has all those tools in the shed when it comes to his offensive game. Yes, he can continue to get more efficient. He can continue to do those type of things. But at the end of the day, and you know, ball handling things too. Those ball handling things and dribbling the ball off his foot, I definitely want to see that improve. But it's really, for me, I want to see an in, a increased effort and focus on the defensive end for Zach Levine. And I really do think that's what's going to really take his stardom to the next level and the Bulls to the next level if we get a locked-in Zach Levine defensively every game of every season. Now, I've said it before as well, Lonzo Ball being on the court absolutely helped Zach Levine be a better defender because of the way that Lonzo Ball communicates on defense. But that with an increased effort and focus off the ball and on the ball for Zach Levine, I think that's what's going to really take him to the next level. But again, good to see him working, good to see him doing those type of things. It's a, it's, it's a slow news cycle. So all these type of things are going to get promoted a little bit more. But like I said, I always want to bring a little bit of, uh, of honesty to this, not a little bit, a lot of honesty to it is that I want to see. I want to see Zach Levine lock somebody up like that's That's something that would get me excited. Right. So that's where I sit on that. Let me know what you guys think on that down below. Now, we do have an update on what the Bulls have done um, on the coaching staff. So they have hired former Windy City Bulls assistant coach Martin Rennick as a player development coach. Now, a lot has been made this offseason over the fact that the Chicago Bulls do not have a shooting coach. And when you have a team that has people like Dalen Terry, that has people like Iowa DeSumo, that has people like Patrick Williams that need to work on certain things with a shot, I owe a little bit less than the other two. It, 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 it's, it was glaring that the Chicago Bulls did not have a shooting coach. Now, they do bring in Martin Rannick. His title is player development specialist. But I do wonder if that is going to be because a big part of player development is shooting. So I wonder if that's going to be maybe his role, and not just in just in being a shooting coach, but in like doing everything with development, developing players and getting those young players worked on. And the fact that he's already been in the system, he was a former Windy City Bulls assistant. So he's familiar with Chicago. He's familiar um, with the city and with the system that the Chicago Bulls team is trying to run. It, listen, it, I'm never going to poo-poo, or again, I've said that a couple of times, I'm never going to look down upon um, – uh, the Bulls bringing in more coaches to help these players develop. When you have a team with so many young people that have so many raw things about their game that does need to be developed, that yeah, yeah, 
Bring in development coaches. Do that. That's all fine and dandy. And I hope that they, that they seriously end their work, and especially coming in this training camp. We haven't gotten anything yet if the if the Bulls, certain Bulls players are going to be reporting training camp early like last season. We had about uh, about half the team report two weeks early to training camp. So hopefully that continues as well. But good that the Bulls hired this guy. And uh, Martin Rannick, he's a former player. He played in Iowa. Um, he has career averages of 46% shooting from the field and 30% shooting from the three-point range, again, not not he he didn't have a huge impact. He did play a lot of minutes. He started almost every game uh, he played at Iowa State. So he is he is a former player. He did play in Spain and Italy. He went undrafted in 2001 NBA draft. And sometimes those type of players are the ones that do become very good coaches. So we'll see if anything becomes of it. If you see on him on the sideline, we may see him in training camp working with Dalen Terry, things like that. Hey, now you know who he is. So that's kind of it on the bull, on the Bulls update side of things. The thing that I kind of want to end this the show on, and this isn't Bulls related directly, um, but as you guys have so, seen that Kevin Durant pulled back his trade request, and apparently, um, according to uh, the Nets and and their brass, is that they they think that he is invested a reinvested long term with the Brooklyn Nets. So what does that mean, right? And I and I've kind of said this before when we heard like the owner coming out and making his things is that Nets ownership directly looked the player empowerment movement in the face and said, nah, bro. Like that's basically what it boils down to. We've been seeing an increased thing with, with the player empowerment movement, players doing what they want, kind of want to do, calling their shots, going where they want to go, asking for trades. And it, it, it was only going to take one owner to step up and just say no. And this Kevin Durant situation is an interesting one because, you know, you hear some people saying, well, the Nets didn't do some things, but Really looking at this, Kevin Durant is in a situation of his own making to several degrees. There are some things out of his control, but several several ways. Kevin Durant wanted to go to Brooklyn. He wanted to pair with Kyrie Irving. He wanted to pair with a player that we all know is one session of sage away from going and moving to Wakanda. And he wanted to pitch his future to that. They then, him and Kyrie together, basically dictated the moves that that that, that Brooklyn Nets team did and they and they gave they caved into them. They had two superstars. They did what they wanted to do, um, or what they asked of them to keep that uh, that together and hopefully build something special there. Even bringing in James Harden, we all saw how much of a of a prima donna that James Harden is. You wanted the Kyrie and KD wanted James Harden to come in there, and a year later it blew up in their face. Yes, the GM does also hold accountability to that, but KD wanted out. At, when he was in a situation that was a large part in his own making, the Nets held on to James Harden. They went out and got a deal. They got a damn good deal for him, too. When you look at the haul that they got back in that, they, it's not like they got completely. Yeah, they, you know, they could they have gotten something if they pulled other triggers? There's a lot of other rumored things out there. But listen, they went out and got a deal that, for the most part, especially if Simmons comes back, which it does seem like Simmons has been clear for three-on-three -three practice, they got the better end of that deal, potentially. So, you know, when when you have a a, 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 a movement of power of player and, uh, empowerment, I'm not necessarily against that, but it has to even out. And this asking for a trade before you even play one single game on your contract extension, that was going to be the final straw in this in ownership. Just all it took is one one owner. And don't be surprised if when the next CBA pops up that this is heavily talked about and they rescind this back a little bit. What KD has done here and what other players as well. Look at what LeBron did. Like. To me, it never works out. The one time that it worked out that a, that, a, that a player played GM was LeBron when he went back to Cleveland and Wiggins and all them were traded and he brought in Kevin Love and those were things that, that LeBron James wanted and it ended up being successful for a little bit of time. 
that was really it. Now, you can also say the Heatles, maybe to a degree, but again, I think that was more of a collective thing than one player playing GM. But with that being said, like, it doesn't usually work. A, a player having that much power and control over what a team does, you need somebody on that who's going to fight back and just say, no, listen, we're going to try to keep improving this team. But no, the player empowerment movement, it's been great to see, and it's been good to see players make more money than what they've been able to make over the course of NBA history. It's been great because a lot of those players do earn that. But at the same time, when you start turning that into getting out of contracts early, when a team invests not only in you in that contract, but invests in you and in making the moves that you want to see, it was only going to take one owner to fight back against that. And we got that owner in the Nets owner, Joe Asai. So now, now, what does that mean for the future? Like I said, I expected something like this to be very heavily worded in the next CBA to protect teams against stuff like this. But for once, we can sit there and say that a team looked a superstar in the eye. Right, a superstar of the caliber of Kevin Durant and saw their trade request and said, no, right? We're not just going to trade you because you want to be traded. We could not find a deal that we found favorable to us that would put us in, a, in the best situation. So no, we're not moving on that. And then Kevin Durant and his people probably sat down and was like, hey man, listen, um, yeah, Asai said no. Asai said no. What do you mean he said no? He said no. He said no to me? And now you got to sit down and deal with it. You got to sit down and see how this plays off. That does not mean that Kevin Durant may not be moved in the future, but that means that guess what? Kevin Durant was told to sit down and shut the fuck up and let us do our goddamn job and play basketball. Now, I don't mean that in the shut up and play basketball type type thing that, that's like a negative stereotype, but I do mean that the owners stood up for themselves in this and they should in a situation like this. I, I don't see anything wrong in that. Kevin Durant wanting, to, wanting out before he played a game of that and, and like I said, a situation that was really in his own, of his own making, it, something like this was bound to happen at some point in time. And now we get to see it. Now we get to see how that plays out. We get to see, do they still find success now in this season upcoming? Is Kevin Durant eventually moved in the, in the, in the upcoming offseason where maybe there's more assets or things to be done? That remains to be seen. The Brooklyn Nets are going to have a very interesting offseason next offseason, considering Kyrie considering that they could decide to move Kevin Durant at that time. Like, there's a lot of interesting things that could happen. But we did see an owner absolutely step up and tell a star player, no. And now we get to see how that plays out. Now, before we go as well, I want to talk about this Donovan Mitchell trade. So it seems like, you know, the, the Nets were interested. Uh, uh, reportedly, uh, Danny Age, there's, there have been made two offers that Danny Ainge really does like in that. Um, and now we may see teams pivot now that the Kevin Durant trade has not happened that teams pivot towards that Donovan Mitchell trade. And I made a whole video. It was, it was a members-only video, so it wasn't available to the general public. But Donovan Mitchell going to a team, depending on what team that could be in the East, how does that change the dynamic of the Eastern Conference? You know, Donovan Mitchell is a very good player. I, I compare him a lot to, to Zach Levine. I think he's very good. But you, you have to build a team around him in a, in a specific way. Um, but we'll see what happens with that. We'll see what happens. You know, Cleveland reportedly is, is, is now entering, uh, trying to get into talks for Donovan Mitchell. That is an in-division in opponent for us. So we'll see with that. But, you know, we'll see what it is, man. I, I don't know. But the last thing that we want to talk about is now that Kevin Durant is locked in and staying with the Brooklyn Nets, how does that change the dynamic of the East? Let's bring it all back to the Chicago Bulls, right? Um, so I have always kind of just factored in Kevin Durant being, being with the Nets. Like, I, I just, I didn't know if a trade was going to go down until a trade did go down. I've always just thought that Kevin Durant's going to be on the Nets. That's why I'm going to plan. That's how I'm going to talk about how I see things shaking up in the East. Um, Keep in mind, yes, there, there were several things that played into it. The Brooklyn Nets did not finish to what some people would think they were. But again, there were a lot of circumstances that played into that. But coming in, having a full season of Kyrie, a full season of, of, of KD, a full season maybe of Ben Simmons if he's ready to go by the start of training camp, 
What does that team look like and how does that change the power struggle in the East? I still look at at Boston. I still look at Milwaukee above them. I do think I know that they can be a great team and, you know, they, they, they have shown that before. But when you when you look at the, the the Bulls ranking in the East, and I've been very slow to kind of say this, I still think the Bulls are going like kind of my prediction last season. I think I came in saying the Bulls were fifth. I'm saying the Bulls can be fourth in the Eastern Conference this season. But again, I think they can even be higher than that if everything gets humming and depending on health. The Brooklyn Nets are a very good team, but they're a beatable team. Now with KD there, they've shown it. We've we've seen it. We've beaten them, right? They are a beatable team. They aren't this team that's like worldly where you just look at it and you like, oh, how do we penetrate this lineup? Um, but Kevin Durant being there and being locked in, it's going to be an interesting battle at the top of the East. And we may, you know, be able to be the victors of that. Not the Bulls like having better records than them. But as the, as the season goes on, it's going to be a battle in the Eastern Conference this season. That's the thing that's shaping up that I think that, we, that you got to look at when you're talking about the Eastern Conference is that. It's just shaping up to be a battle in several divisions and several in the in the conference overall. It's going to be a fun, fun league to watch, really, when you when you when you when you break everything down. Just period. Uh, you look at the Miami Heat, you look at the Boston Celtics, you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Toronto Raptors, the Chicago Bulls. I think that the Chicago Bulls can get up to fourth. It depends on what happens with Philly, what happens with health, Joel Embiid's health, things like that. Miami as well as I look at Miami as a team that, yeah, they finished at the top of the East last last season, but I'm not looking at them as being like this unbeatable team either if the Chicago Bulls can stay fully healthy. The Brooklyn Nets did finish seventh last season, so we're making a leap up to them. Atlanta Hawks made several improvements. The Cleveland Cavaliers have gotten better. They're a young team that could bubble. The Charlotte Hornets finished 10th last season. Um, the Eastern Conference is going to be an interesting conference. I didn't even mention the New York Knicks, um, the Detroit Pistons, who I've always said I think is going to be an interesting team in the sense that I think that they're going to be a team that loses a lot of games, but they play tight in a lot of games as well and can't sneak some of those victories out. The Eastern Conference is shaping up to be a doozy. Now, I'm not doing any type of official predictions for the Eastern Conference yet. I'm going to wait until training camp. Wait till we get an official word on Lonzo Ball or not. But the Eastern Conference is going to be a fun conference to watch this upcoming season in, in, in the NBA. And I can't wait to see how the Bulls fare in that. And hopefully they fare better against the top teams, um, better than what they did last season. But let me know what you guys think of everything down below. Let me know what you think about Kevin Durant, the player empowerment movement, what net, net, the message that Nets ownership sent with what they did this summer. And how that next CBA may work out as well. Let me know all that down below. As always, you can follow the podcast at uh, Bulls Bull, Bull Central Pod <laughs> on every social media platform. You can also send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, bullcentralpod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave us a text and our voicemail, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We're the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related because of you guys. And like I like to end every episode on, go Bulls. Love you guys. Peace, y'all. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Media.